Hello everyone and welcome to this special OSCERT conference podcast. I'm Patrick Gray. Our coverage of OSCERT's 2010 conference is brought to you exclusively by Microsoft Forefront. In this sponsored podcast, you'll hear an excerpt from Crispin Cowan's talk. Crispin works for Microsoft, but he used to be a vocal Microsoft critic and Linux fundamentalist. These days, he spends his time trying to retrofit Windows with decent security, uh, working for the Windows core team. I'll drop you into the talk here where he's explaining how certain bad things happen to Windows and the Microsoft ecosystem. Namely, how interoperability concerns hampered the software company's ability to secure Windows. Funny thing about software, uh, it turns out that it's less flexible than hardware, which is not what you'd expect. Uh, the Intel Core 2 Duo has very, very little to do with uh, 386SX. Uh, software from the same era, Windows still supports APIs from uh, the early 1990s. The value of Windows is the rich base of applications that you can get for it that run on it. People don't want operating systems. They want a thing that supports the apps that they actually want to run. Uh, so it's very easy to design a new operating system that's totally secure. Sure, grad students do it all the time. But there's nothing that will run on it, so who cares? And as a result, you don't get to change the architecture of Windows. Um, and you have to work around the inherent problems that come with that. Um, so some architectural problems with Windows. Um, there's a heavy reliance on threat injection um, that this process can tell that process to run this code, because this is fundamental to the way Windows was built. Its purpose is to support interoperation, that you can use everything with everything else. This is why they invented stuff like Olay and Com, so that you, it's really cool that you're, you're there you are writing a Word document, and you can grab a PowerPoint slide and just cram it in. That just worked. Yeah. You just take stuff and jam it together and it just works. It's cool. Um, but that's all built on very permissive model of all the apps can interact with each other with no controls. And so that means that your entire desktop is vulnerable to everything else on your desktop by design. There's also a massive dependence on administrator privilege. The Windows 95, 98, ME line of our operating systems, well, we threw all that away. You know, it was hopelessly vulnerable. But uh, it had that rich application base. And so when Windows NT came out, there was a critical decision made to port the Win32 environment onto Windows NT so that you could have all those cool, rich applications. Um, and along came, with it came the assumption that you are an administrator, because all that, those cool apps they were designed for operating systems that had no notion of privilege whatsoever. And so none of them work unless you're an administrator. And so for a decade, everybody's an administrator. Uh, that entrenched some very bad habits in the ecosystem uh, that practically required you to be an administrator if you wanted to run on Windows. Uh, and that created a lot of vulnerabilities that we're still living down. Um, so these are fundamental problems with Windows that you know, you can change it, but then it's not Windows anymore. Um, fixing administrator, you could just change it so that you're not an administrator. Well, dandy, but then stuff doesn't work. Um, fixing this was all, what UAC was all about. Um, Vista made you not a pure administrator by default. Uh, that is what caused a lot of the complaining about Vista sucks, Vista prompts, Vista has these UAC annoyances. Well, um, yeah. 
Everybody knows that UAC sucks, right? But it isn't UAC that's sucking, it's the apps that are sucking. They need to learn to not depend on administrator privilege. And UAC's purpose in Vista was to train the apps to not depend on administrator privilege. And it's working. Uh, it's a tremendous downgrade and uh, many, many fewer apps are dependent upon administrator. Um, so as an analogy, like if, if you've been running around as a kid barefoot all this time for years, and we hand you a pair of hiking boots and say, here, put these on, you're going to complain about how uncomfortable they are. Uh, even if we're heading towards a parking lot full of broken glass and you need them, you're still going to say, these boots aren't comfortable, I don't want them. That's what the UAC experience is about, is you need to learn to wear your shoes. Remember, every time you abuse privilege, God kills a kitten. <laughs> UAC sucks less than you might think. 88% um, of users keep it enabled, so it's not true that everyone turns it off. No, whiny bloggers turn it off. <laughs> uh, I don't have the seven statistics handy. It's probably more people turning it off because seven makes it much easier to turn it off. Um, but it's also the case that seven makes it much less annoying. It prompts less in the first place. So don't know what people are doing yet. Um, the trend is improving over time. 50% of user sessions uh, in Vista were prompt free in, at RTM. 65% uh, at SP1 time and 80% uh, for enterprise users. So what that means is more apps are learning to run without administrator and thus not causing prompts. So you have an entire session go by where you used Windows all day and it never prompted you. So that's success. Um, some problems with the Linux architecture. Um, the architecture is mostly sound. It started out with you're not an administrator by default. That was a great advantage, um, except for Ptrace. Um, it has complex semantics and is almost always broken. There was a, a great Wagner paper at Usenix Security a few years ago where they showed that almost every app that tried to use Ptrace did it wrong. Um, it allows any process to debug any other process that's owned by the same user. Remember that threat injection thing? Um, so the saving grace of Ptrace is that it's only really used for debugging, so you can block it without killing the world. Um, and SE Linux and AppArmor, AppArmor was my previous thing, they do block it. Um, so that, that gives Linux a security advantage, that they've got much less of an issue with this threat injection stuff. And then there's X11, not so much. Um, any desktop app can keylog any other desktop app. That's enough for any malware that ever is on your desktop to snatch passwords from everything you ever do, including every time you type sudo. Uh, so you thought you were so secure because you're not an administrator on your Unix desktop, and then you go to install some software. Uh, oh, sudo bang, RPM this, blah. Right, yeah, malware can take all those root passwords and do everything as a root. Congratulations. Um, the core problem here is that X11 is a giant server. There's the X11 server that is a big mux for everything on your desktop. It all flows through X11 with no notion of privilege whatsoever. Um, this is what it takes to be secure, is to have notions of privilege and not mix the privileged stuff with the not privileged stuff, and X11 crams it all down the same hole. Uh, Unix has this claim of architectural security because you're not privileged. Um, 
but in reality it blows it by running stuff on the X11 desktop. Uh, so the privilege level security that Unix thinks it has goes away unless you do everything on, you know, TTYs. Uh, and in the server space, that advantage doesn't really exist. Uh, in the bad old days, everyone would run their server stuff as root. Well, that wasn't very good. And then they started running them as nobody, uh, except they're all nobody. And then they can own each other. Well, that's not very good. Okay, so now they get to running them all as each an individual synthetic user for each service. Well, guess what? Windows does the same thing. So this is a wash. On the desktop, it's a wash. On the server, it's a wash. Um, interesting market economies of malware. Um, in a competitive market for selling software, being number two is still cool. Apple makes lots of money. Um, but malware authors don't care. They have no reason to choose number two uh, because users are not selecting malware. <laughs> the malware selects them. Uh, so the malware authors, they just target number one, always number one. They could give a crap about number two. Um, and the result is uh, that number one faces a much greater security threat than anyone else. And so this is why Windows has a much harder problem to solve. Uh, we're always the, the attack victim, uh, so we have to work very, very hard, much harder than any other vendor to make our products secure to give our users an equal experience to some other product. And we could fix this by not being number one, but there are business issues with that. <laughs> um, comparing communities. Uh, the theoretical Linux community is an open, passionate community of experts, where open means anyone can join. Uh, passion, everyone cares about Linux. Experts, everyone convinces they're right. Uh, your job is to convince everyone that you're right. Um, the theoretical Linux view of Microsoft is that it's a closed garden of clods who can't code for beans and only care about money. Uh, bloated Baroque architectures, mountains of bugs and vulnerabilities that they don't care about, and just big piles of money. Um, reality of the Linux community, uh, not so open. Yeah, it's an open door that anyone can come in, but they're really, really hostile to anyone who comes in and then doesn't dance the chicken dance just right. Uh, shockingly hostile to women. Not that they care whether you're a woman, but you're expected to argue your case. You have to shout down idiots to win anything in Linux. Uh, and somehow, for some reason, women are less willing to be complete assholes about arguing their point. Uh, uh, Failure to conform to social norms, and you had better get some asbestos shorts. God help you if you top post. Uh, passion. Anyone who disagrees with you will tell you that you don't care about Linux. I've never understood what that means. It's like, oh, you disagree with me, so you don't care about Linux. What? Uh, experts. Everyone is an argumentative butthead. Uh, the Microsoft reality. Well, it, it may be a closed garden, but it's a closed garden of 80,000 people. Uh, the, in practice, the community of engineers at Microsoft feels like it's about the same size as LKML. Uh, so in theory, there's a stone wall about around the Microsoft community, and there isn't one around the Linux community. But in practice, it's the same shape, sized lump of engineers doing their nerd thing. Uh, they're two large islands of people facing inwards. 
Uh, one has a wall that doesn't matter. So what? Uh, my changed impression of Microsoft before I got to Microsoft is like, hmm, Windows security seems to suck. I'm going to go show them how it's done. I get here, and Microsoft is stuffed with, literally stuffed with brilliant people. It's scary how smart, many smart people they have. Every good idea I suggested not only has been tried, but failed because of that app compat log jam of, well, you have to make everything interrupt. Um, the real work is to figure out how to weasel uh, around that log jam of app compat. Um, I like this problem space. I'm, I'm a professional weasel. Uh, eagles may soar, but weasels don't get sucked into jet engines. Um, academic security holds that uh, security must be designed in from the start. You cannot uh, retrofit security into a product. It's too late. This is for sissies. In theory, theory is just like practice, but in practice it isn't. Uh, any chump can design a secure operating system, but retrofitting security is an art. It's the art. This is where the money is, uh, because the value for IT is I want to run my apps. My apps have been coded for that crappy old operating system. Fix it. Uh, you don't get to propose redesign everything. You have to retrofit security into the thing that runs the stuff that the people want to use. Uh, I'm really easy to find. I'm pretty much the only one. Uh, I'm Crispin at Microsoft. I'm Crispin at CrispinCowan.com. Uh, I guess that's lunch. Thank you very much.